You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Hey, good morning. Wow, okay, hey, good to see you guys. That's surprising. Hey, uh, my name is Alec. I'm one of the pastors here at The Creek. Uh, and, and man, I just want to start with this. My favorite part of any uh, sports and or war movie is the epic speech before the climax. You know what I'm talking about? Where, where like everything is broken, <laughs> everything, like, like it's halftime and things have gone badly. You know what I'm talking about? And, and so the coach kind of comes into the locker room and he starts with the bad news and he's like, boys, we got to, you know, inch by inch until we're finished, right? Any given Sunday. And uh, it's, it's Aragorn at the Black Gate. The music swells, right? The, the cams out and then pans in on one person and Aragorn just goes, for Frodo. And it's like, like if you don't get chills, at that, like I got chills just now, right? And, and it's that moment, right? And, and I love it. I, I like that makes the movie for me. I know that's weird, but, but it just is that emotional moment that connects with people and, and a one minute rant that changes the fate of the movie, right? Like it's, it's that moment. And as we step into the book of Galatians, uh, it, it, it is, you will find this quickly, intense. Like it is uh, cutting. It does not pull punches. Uh, Paul has come in at halftime and things have gone badly and he needs to let the team know. Now, he'll get to encouragement and, and hands in and, and that whole deal, right? But, but ultimately, the beginning that we're going to get through today is, is this very clear set of punches delivered to remind us of, of what we believe about Jesus. And, and honestly, to, to be um, completely transparent, where we are off and, and all of us are a little bit off, uh, to turn us back, to turn our affections toward Christ, um, but also to make sure that, that the gospel that we believe is actually the gospel and not some other thing that we think is true. And so um, my, my hope for us this morning is that um, we would recognize really clearly where we're off and where we're believing things about the gospel that aren't actually in the Bible. Um, and, and I can't do that. And you can't like will yourself to believe the right thing. We, we actually, the Bible's going to say, need the Lord to intervene on our behalf. And so can, can we just take a minute and pray and ask him? Let's pray. God, we're coming to you this morning um, seeking to know you more deeply and seeking to, to worship um, who you really are. Um, we, we don't get to love what we don't actually know, and so we are asking that you would let us know you, know the truth about you, know the gospel, uh, have it in our bones, God. And as we do that, God, that you would transform us um, into the men and women who you're calling us to be as we open up Galatians. Help us. We absolutely need you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you've got your Bibles, um, flip over to Galatians. You guessed it. Uh, flip over to Galatians. We're going to pick up in verse 1. Uh, we're going to go through verse 10, and uh, we'll, we'll pick up in verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches 
of Galatia. So, so real quick, some setup work. Um, respond so that I know you're alive. Who is writing the letter? Paul. Good job. Killing it. Y'all can read too. So proud. Uh, who, who is the letter to? Churches, plural, of Galatia, right? And so a um, couple, couple things real quick. Paul has come through uh, Paul is not a new character in the churches of Galatia. Uh, he actually probably helped plant the church on his first missionary journey, uh, potentially came through on his second missionary journey as well. That kind of depends what you believe about that. Um, but here's the thing that we know for sure is that as he's there, uh, he ended up staying a whole lot longer than he wanted to because he got horribly sick. I mean, in fact, in, in Galatians 4, He's going to say, you know, it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. So he's just like sneezing up a storm and he's like, oh, Jesus. And, uh, and, and I don't know what was going on, but it says, and though my condition was a trial to you, so he's sick enough to be a burden, you did not scorn or despise me. And, and listen, listen to this, uh, how he was received initially in the churches in Galatia, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Which, which I know, like, praise God, that's a metaphor. But Paul is saying, hey, if, if, if I needed some eyes, you'd have been the guy who's like, yeah, man, I got you one. <laughs> and, and there's this imagery, right? But, but it's all to point to the fact that while Paul was there initially, he was super well-received. The gospel flourished. This isn't the group of people who were just like, yeah, man, that's cool. I, I, we'll, we'll pray for you or whatever. Like these people were all in for Jesus. And then, and then that's important to know. It's also important to know that this is um, not one church. This is a bunch of churches in, in what probably would have been the Roman, Roman province of Galatia. And so um, we're talking Antioch and Iconium and Lystra and Derby. And if you don't know what those cities are, just don't worry about it. But, but it's a bunch of churches. And, and here's why that's important. They were all going through the same thing. And, and it's a reminder for us that, that there's not a single church that is isolated in the world. That we are, and this matters, all on the same team if we're preaching Jesus Christ. Like everybody from, from Galatia to today. And I know like, I don't know if this is a Texan thing, but, but there's this idea of church competition, right? That, that we'll, you know, we've got a, a killer children's ministry and they just do things a little bit differently over there. You, may, you maybe don't want to go there. And, 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 and let, me just, let me just quickly remind you, that's not okay. They're our brothers and sisters. Like whoever, whatever church you're talking about, if, if they're like, triune God, Jesus is Lord, only way to heaven. They're on our team. Like they're our brothers and sisters in Christ. So instead of complaining, man, let's dive in. Let's help them, right? Let's talk about the gospel with them. And, and then let's pray that God would intervene where we're weak and just don't know it. My goodness, we're on the same team. And so that's just a quick reminder. I mean, then I mean, it kind of lands with grace to you and peace, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen.
men. So super simple question. If you're still with me, just throw out an answer. Who gave themselves for our sins? Excellent. Okay, good. The last time I did that, one person answered and I was like, whoa, we need to like slow down and go backwards a little bit. But, but y'all got it. Jesus gave himself for our sins. I mean, it says he gave the, uh, himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. And that's just a quick acknowledgement of the world that we live in, that, that we experience the things that happen because of the fall, death, disease, famine, racism, anxiety, depression, all things that happen because of the fall. And we live in a world that's filled with that. And it says that Jesus came not just to deliver us from our sins, but to rescue us out of that. That there's coming a day when we won't deal with those things anymore because God will have crushed them. And that's going to be a beautiful day. And Jesus came for that. And then um, it, it lands in this uh, interesting place because we know that the Galatians were excited about Jesus, pumped about the gospel. But, but then um, just, just to warn you a little bit, Paul is about to get extremely aggressive with the Galatians. And so he, he dives straight in. It says in verse six, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. And so we have these Galatians who are all in for Jesus and someone came to the church and had a, a slightly different message about salvation that was a different gospel. We're gonna get into that in a minute, but, but here's the thing I want you to see because Paul um, lines up his shot before he shoots it. He says, not that there is another one. And that's just a quick reminder that there is for the believer no hope outside of Christ. Like, like you don't have another way to the Father. You, you don't have a, another hope for transformation, right? And, and then it, it lands on uh, him getting even more aggressive, which is awesome. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, and he literally just repeats himself. So now I say again, if anyone is preaching a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. One more time for the people in the back, right? And, and so he says this, and, and, and just so you know, when it uses the word accursed, um, that is not, like I know we're in 2020, not like Harry Potter hexing somebody, okay? Like I don't know what your background is, uh, but, but that's not what's going on here. That's magic, fantasy. The Bible's a little different. When it talks about being cursed, it is a relational descriptor. And by that, I mean, it's describing the relationship that this person has with the Lord that's come in and torn things up. And he's saying, may that person be a, a little separated from God. To be blessed is to be found in the favor of God. To be cursed is to be found distant from the Lord. And so Paul, in the strongest language possible, is saying, even if it's an angel, may that person who is wrecking the church be separated in this way. And so like the strongest possible language Paul could use uh, and then lands on for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And here is his point. It feels like a, a weird tail end to that paragraph, but, but actually he's just saying, 
I am delivering um, unwanted news, <laughs> unwanted hard truths to people who don't necessarily want to hear it. And, and the reason he says that he can do that is because he's not serving them. He's loving them. And he's loving them because he's not serving them. He's not working for them. He's not under their employment. He's working for serving the Lord who has sent him to say some hard things. And it's just a reminder that, that we too have to be very aware of who we're serving. And, and don't get it twisted, y'all. If, if you're here and you're going, man, I'm a believer now, so that means I can't say the truth to people when it's difficult, that's just not true. Now, we're, we're called to do it in love, which is very different from the way that the world operates. But, but we actually, to not share those truths, the hard things in life, is to be unloving. And so we, we are actually called to share hard truths at times. But, but here's the thing. This is, just a reminder, this is the hard truth section of Galatians, right? This is, we're walking in the locker, things have gone badly, and we just gotta be honest with each other. But, but as we look at this, but before we just run on to encouragement, there are a couple things that stand out to me that I think are worth talking about. The first is this, there is no other gospel that will lead to transformation. There is no other gospel that will lead to transformation. In verse six, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. And, and so just to get really specific about what's going on in the churches in Galatia, here is the other gospel that came into the churches. It's this simple idea um, that no longer do you just need Jesus to be a believer. You actually also need circumcision. So it's Jesus plus circumcision equals maturity and salvation. That's a totally different gospel from the actual gospel of Christ. Here's what Christians believe, just in case you're, you're confused. We believe that Jesus is the way, the life, and the truth, and that through him, we can gain access to the Father as our high, empathetic high priest, that he uh, gave his life on a cross for us, and that he's our only hope for eternity. We don't add anything to that gospel. There is no other requirement. And so here's, here's the thing. As you're thinking about um, what it looks like to follow Jesus, we may go, this is kind of ridiculous, right? Like, because to be honest with you, like if they're all about circumcision, he, here was the issue. All the people who were in the church uh, at the very beginning were Jewish, right? And so they were circumcised uh, on the eighth day or, or at least as, as babies, right? And I gotta be honest with you, at 20 years old, if, if you're a uh, Gentile Christian or somebody who didn't grow up Jewish ethnically or relig religiously, but came into the church, if you're 20, 30, 50, 90, coming to church, circumcision doesn't sound like a good time, right? <laughs> I'm just, I mean, like, listen, hey, meet us in the lobby. After <laughs> like, well, no, <laughs> I'm going to find another church. I'm out of here. I'm just being real. And, and so here's the deal. Um, this was actually, though, the conversation in the church in its day. 
Like there, this was the biggest conversation in the church at the time. And, and they actually had to call the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15 to deal with this. It says in Acts 15, but some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers. Listen real clearly. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. That's a big deal. And then here's the answer. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up to them and said to them, brothers, you know that in the early days, God made a choice among you that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between them, cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting this yoke on these people? And he ends by saying, but we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. It's grace. But his, his whole argument, his response to this idea of, oh, you also need the circumcision, is simply this. Well, uh, actually, I went down and I preached to them, and they got saved, and they have the same Holy Spirit, and God's not drawing a distinction between them and us, so why are you? And by the way, they're going to be saved by grace just like we will. And so his answer is, is this message of grace. And just in case you're confused about where you are in the passage, you're the Gentile in the conversation. You're the person not invited, right? But that actually, because of this conversation, is able to be in the church. And so, beautiful message. And, and so, here's why Paul is so frustrated. He's frustrated because these, these people who have come into the church, the circumcision party, are actually offering a different gospel, a totally different path to salvation and to maturity, and it doesn't look like Jesus. It's Jesus plus circumcision equals salvation and maturity. And you can put any religious word in there, okay? Like depending on your background, and, and it's still wrong. So you can put Sunday school, like some of y'all are like, but I was in the Royal Rangers. And, and listen, like that's not a requirement of salvation, praise God. You can put baptism in there. That's one we get around here a whole lot. If you're not baptized, you're not saved. That is not true. Like that is absolutely incorrect according to the Bible. We put Jesus at the center. We put his work at the center, not our work. Our work flows out of his work, but it's not to save us. And so baptism is actually, it's a beautiful outward representation of what God has already done internally in you that it's this representation of grace that he's given you as you um, are dead in your sins and raised to walk in the newness of life coming out of the water, right? And, and so we don't believe that anything is required other than trusting in Jesus, right? Repent, turn from your sins, and believe that Christ is Lord, that he has died for your sins. And so that is the gospel. Um, as we look at that, though, um, this really distinguishes the gospel from every other viewpoint on the planet. Like, like whatever it is, every other religion, every other, even some secular views to, to get to the good life or nirvana or heaven or favor with God, whatever you want to call that, depending on what camp you're coming from, um, to get there, you have to do things. <laughs> you know, it's pray facing east or it's uh, get on this diet routine or, or it's um, do this certain way of living, give to the poor, and then you'll have the favor of God. And Christianity flips that and says, 
you can't even balance the scales if you tried, right? Like you're not going to be good enough to compare to the goodness of God. So God just took care of the thing for you on the cross. Like he gave us in the great exchange his righteousness in exchange for our sins. You couldn't do the work if you tried. He has given us that goodness. He's given us himself is really what it's about. And, And we didn't have to earn that. Because the Bible actually says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Look look, look right at me. On your worst day, when you feel like God doesn't even like you, he died for you. He gave himself up willingly for you. And so we get to celebrate that. That's different. But even today, there are ways that we get off track with the gospel. And and we could like nail a bunch of them. But because we're in a limited time frame, I want to just give you two. Here's the first one. Following the law makes me good in the eyes of God, right? This is, this is about uh, you feeling loved or liked by the Lord based on how good you're being. <laughs> so here's the problem with that. Some days you're going to nail it. Man, you're going to wake up 5 a.m. You're going to read your Bible, you're going to pray before the kids get up, which is a miracle from the Lord, right? Like you're, going to, you're just going to do all the things that make you feel good. You're, you're going to eat a kale smoothie for breakfast. God help you. Like whatever, whatever that good life looks like for you, you're going to crush it. And you're going to go to sleep that night going, God loves me. And the next day you're going to wake up in total chaos and you're going to bomb and fail and you'll put yourself on a roller coaster and when you mess up your world is going to get crushed because you feel like God doesn't like you what a sad thing because listen the cross says that he's for you forever on your worst day when you jack it all up which man don't we he's with you he's for you he loves you he even likes you right and so, so we serve a God who's with us and just get off the roller coaster because really it's about you measuring up to some unrealistic expectation where you've gone, oh, this is what will make me worthy. And Christ is actually just looking at you saying, stop that, you're worthy. Like you're already loved. You don't have to fight for that. And, and then here's the other way. Uh, being saved means I don't need to worry about living a life that honors God. <laughs> This is the opposite, right? This is not the person who's working for it. This is the person who maybe when you were a little kid, uh, you, you walked an aisle, raised a hand, and were like, Jesus. And, and let me clarify, nothing wrong with walking an aisle or raising a hand. In fact, we do that often on Wednesdays, just, just to be clear. But, but if, if that was it for you, if it was like fire insurance, you know what I mean by that? Like, like you said, okay, Jesus loves me, so now I'm gonna be in heaven and I don't have to worry about the rest. Here's the problem with that. And, and I'm not even gonna answer the question, are you saved? Because I think that's a conversation for another day. Here would be the question though. Why are you missing out on everything with the Lord? Like, like there's so much in between being saved and being physically present with the Lord. Like you are missing out on transformation. You're missing out on a beautiful walk with Jesus. You're missing out on him changing the way you love your family, love yourself, love the Lord. And, and I think there's gonna be an awkward conversation when, when you're face to face, just to be honest with you. I, I, don't, I don't know if you're saved, but like I, I really think you're missing out on the beauty and the goodness of life if you're just there. 
I just think you're missing it. And so I, those are ways we get off in the gospel. Um, but, but as we think about that, here, here's what it leads to, at least with Paul. We seek God's approval, not man's. We seek God's approval, not man's. For, am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul rolls in and he starts talking to these people. And, and here's, here's the issue. They look mature. <laughs> it look, like legalism looks like Maturity. When I say legalism, I know that's a big churchy word. Here's what it means. It means adding things to the Bible that aren't in it. So, so adding things and rules and expectations on yourself that aren't actually in the Bible. It looks like maturity. It's not maturity, but it looks like it. Here's what I mean. Have y'all ever seen The Sandlot? Yeah? Great movie. Excellent movie. Here, here's what happens in that movie that I love. All the guys <laughs> decide they're going to go to one of those little county fairs. And they, they stand around and they, they find a bunch of chewing tobacco. You know what I'm talking about? You remember the scene? And so as they're standing around and they're like popping it in, they're all going, the pros do this. Like, this is what it's going to be. Like, we're going to be so cool. And, and then they get on the rides, right? And everybody just gets miserably sick, which is what happens when you give tobacco to a 10-year-old. But, but here's the deal. They, they get miserably sick. And, and it's just embarrassing, right? Like, this is not the level of coolness that they were anticipating walking into. And, and here's the thing. That's what legalism is like. That, that you have, like, this, this weird set of expectations that you think will make you mature and whole. And at the end of the day, it just makes you sick as you don't live up to your own expectations. That you go, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come in and I'm going to be this kind of guy. Spoiler alert, you won't. Because Jesus had to die for us, so something's broken, y'all. And, and so at the end of the day, if we set those expectations in an unhealthy place that aren't even in the Bible, that's not maturity. It looks like maturity. And it, and it can be. On a personal level, listen, maybe the Lord told you, hey, only listen to Christian music for the next year. That's cool. That's not me, but that's awesome. And, and here's the thing. If that's you, that can be mature obedience to follow the Lord into that what would not be mature obedience is that to then turn around and go, and this is now the requirement on everybody's life who wants to know Jesus. That's not maturity. That's legalism. And we gotta get rid of it. Looks like maturity, it's actually not. As, as we look at this though, as we look at this idea, what he's gonna point out um, is, is really that we've gotta live for Christ's approval. That, that all of that looking like maturity actually isn't about Christ at all. It's about looking good for other people. And a lot of us maybe grew up in a place where um, to be looking good, to be looking like a Christian meant you had to do a ton of things. And, and here's just what, what I would argue. You have to look at your life, expectations, religious stuff, parenting stuff, like all of it, and, and ask the question, am I doing this thing for Jesus or am I doing this thing for me? Or am I doing this thing to meet somebody's expectations, right? Because at the end of the day, and I'm, I'm even talking serving. Like the reason that you're serving is that so that even me, like if you're serving in student ministry, that I come by and high five you and say, thank you so much, you're killing it. Or are you doing that for Jesus? Because those are two totally different things. One of them will leave you burned out and exhausted. 
it's not the Jesus way, right? And so, so we've got to ask ourselves, why am I doing the things that I'm doing? And truthfully, where you realize I'm doing something and I'm just doing it for other people, stop, say no. Like for you to be able to say no and control your calendar, if that means that you get to actually Sabbath, if that means that you actually get to spend time with the Lord, spend time with your family, that's a better thing than whatever else you could be doing. Like that's a beautiful gift from the Lord too. And so be able to recognize I'm doing this thing so that those people like me. Listen, those people may or may not like you. At the end of the day, this idea of the universal approval of everyone that you know, it's a unicorn, you guys. Like it just doesn't exist. Not gonna happen, trust me. And, and so for you to run after that thing, for everybody to like you, for everybody to approve of what you're doing, especially the, quote, important people, you're just going to end up exhausted. And so I, I would just encourage you, evaluate why you're doing the things that you're doing. Last thing, most important thing, we are called to actively trust in and walk with Jesus. We're called to actively trust in and walk with Jesus. Verse three says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever, amen. And here's, here's the thing that I, I want you to notice about the Galatians. They are off. Man, they missed the mark in some areas. But it doesn't mean that they didn't have some things right. And, and here's, here's what I mean by that. I want to be careful. In terms of salvation, that is 100% dependent upon the work of Jesus. Period. Hard stop. Can't go anywhere. But here's what the Galatians got right. They wanted to do everything in their power to pursue Jesus. Everything. And, and while they, they missed it in terms of salvation, like, like here's, here's the thing. We are called to run after Jesus. And I want to tell the truth about that. It is going to cost you. Like it's going, and I'm not even talking in like, you have to take up your cross. I'm saying in terms of mental and emotional energy and capacity, in terms of your time, if you want to actively follow and walk with Jesus, you're going to have to give up some of that. And, and here's the thing, like here's the truth. That is exactly like every other relationship in your life. If you want it to be a real relationship, you've got to be willing to step out and give up some emotional energy, which is actually hard. I, I, I have, I, I talk about this about every time I preach, right? Because I'm a little bit proud, but I have a two-year-old boy, almost two, technically. His name is Elliot. He is a wild man, a straight-up savage right now, you guys. He figured out the word no, I'm doomed. So just pray for the Jacks household. But, but here's, here's the thing. Thursday, Thursday is ministry Friday, right? And, and by that, I mean like Friday's our day off. And, and so Thursday night after a very long week, I know y'all think we just work on Sundays. That's not true. But at the end of Thursday, when I get home, I've got really two options with my boy. I, I can grab him and, and we can go upstairs and I can plop him on the couch next to me. And I can, uh, like, he is super into Thomas the Train right now. Like 1999 episodes. Like, not even 
It's just, he's into it. And, and so I can plop him on the couch, turn on Thomas the Train, pick up my cell phone, and just numb out for the next 25 minutes. And, and listen, there, there's a time for that. that. My goodness, there absolutely is. I'm not, if you're there, come on, Thomas, let's go. But, but I, can, I can numb out, I can watch Netflix, I can drink another glass of wine, I can, like, all of those things. Or... I can come in and I can, despite my, oh my gosh, I'm a two-year-old parent exhaustion, sit down with my boy, get down on my knees. I can tickle him. We can sing songs. He's super into Twinkle Twinkle Little Star right now. It's awesome. Like we can do the thing. I can pick him up and run around. We can take a stroller ride. Like I can do all those things. Let me tell you about the difference in how I feel. When I finish um, playing on my phone or, or Netflix or whatever your thing is, like, like I just feel more disconnected from the things that matter. Like I feel less connected to my actual son when we get up from the couch. If I get down on my knees and I play with my kid, can, can I just tell you, like I'm, it's not 100% because sometimes he throws a tantrum, but most of the time, like I'm able to just walk away and go, that was, that was a good choice. Like I, I never walk away going, man, I wish I had spent that time on Facebook. Like, like, I just never do. And, and listen, your, your walk with the Lord is like that. You may be in a place where you've got nine two-year-olds running around, and you work a 50-hour-a-week job, and like, like that may be where you're at. And, and look right at me. You have a choice. You can come home, and with that little amount of emotional energy and time that you have, you can choose to just numb out with whatever your medication of choice is. Truly. Could be Netflix, right? You can choose that. Or you can take a second and actively engage the Lord. And here's the promise that if we seek him, we'll find him. Like that's scripture, you guys. Like if you take that little bit of emotional energy and time, I, I know it's difficult. And listen, like, I, I wish I could tell you that you're just going to, like, for the first time, plop down with your Bible, flip to John, and be like, oh, revelation. Like, I see Jesus. He came into my bedroom last night. Like, it's probably not going to be like that. If it is, like, let's talk. <laughs> Lots of questions. But, but the reality is that you will have a vital relationship with God. And that is, listen, guys, that's worth trading scrolling on Facebook for. That's worth trading Netflix and, and another beer and like whatever you think will, will satiate you in that moment. It's garbage compared to knowing Jesus. Like we get to actively choose to walk with Jesus. And I know that it's difficult and I know that it's hard and I know you don't have any time and I'm with you on that and it's still worth it. Like we get to choose that. And so I, I would just ask the question, are you doing that? Are you doing that? Because that's a trade worth making. You can trade all the junk in the world, but give me Jesus. We get to make that choice. And so are you walking with Jesus? Just, just a couple things. As, as we um, close out today, we have gone through a difficult talk that really set up the theme for the rest of Galatians. And, and I think it just leaves us with some questions. As you think about your relationship with the Lord, are you trusting in the finished work of Jesus? I mean that. Or 
Are you in this place where, depending on how things go, man, you could be on that roller coaster today. Today you could feel awesome tomorrow. Like you're at church now, so you can like mark the list, right? But tomorrow, are, are you on that roller coaster? Because if so, just, man, just unburden yourself. Put that expectation somewhere else and lean into the finished work of Jesus. Are you resting in that finished work? Second question, are you walking with Jesus? Or have you walked away? And, and not even for any bad reasons particularly, but are you actively choosing to walk with and follow Jesus? And, and then really it just leaves us with this question. Are you in a place where you have chosen to say yes to Jesus? Like, have you chosen, like, is God rescuing you from yourself, from sin, and from, man, so much brokenness in the world? Because that's the promise, that he will deliver us from this evil age, rescue us from our sin. And, and I just want you to know, if you're here today, and you're like, man, that sounds awesome, and I need that. All that Christ requires of you. You don't need to go to, I mean, you, you don't need to do any religious activity. You don't need to get baptized. I think you ought to at some point. Uh, you don't need to like do something, give a certain amount. No, this isn't Scientology, right? Like, like you just have to trust in Christ. Turn to him. The Bible says repent and believe. And so that is a turning away from our sins, turning away from who we used to be, turning away from the way that the world would lead us into living and turning towards Christ and going, God, I need you. So I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm going to pray that you would do that today if you're here. God, thank you so much for being our faithful King, for being our merciful Savior, for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for us that we might know life. Today, God, for anybody in this room who is I mean, living for the expectations of other people, who is I'm living a way that is inconsistent with how you've called us, who is walking away from you actively instead of walking with you. And for anyone in this room who doesn't know you, but today is going, God, I want to know you. God, we just lift them up right now and I ask that you would in a new and fresh way reveal yourself to them. God, give them your hope, your grace, your peace. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at